1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: You know, we're all born blind spiritually. Everyone is. Spiritually blind. And Jesus, by his mercy, opened our eyes and he gave us spiritual eyes to see. The the Bible says he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it's hard to keep that to yourself. When you know that you were blind once spiritually and you've been called out of darkness, you've been called into his marvelous light. You want to tell people what Jesus has done for you.
1: Have you been called out of darkness into marvelous light? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he shares with you the importance of sharing with others the wonderful things that God has brought you out of. Tell people about the blessings, hardships, and darkness that the Lord has been faithful to you in. Pastor Dan explains that when we've been set free from sickness or darkness we don't want to keep it to ourselves. Tell others about all the good that God has done for you in your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 9 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: chapter 9. We left off at verse 27. It says, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. First thing they do is disobey the Lord. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke and the multitude marveled, saying it was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisee said he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Matthew wrote this gospel to a Jewish audience primarily. And he wrote this gospel to show that Jesus is the Messiah of the Jews and the King of the Jews that was promised in the Old Testament scriptures. And here in chapters 8 and 9, Matthew gives us a compilation of miracles that Jesus performed. And it's a very small sampling of the miracles Jesus performed. It is in no way an exhaustive list of all of his miracles. It's not even close. In fact, John's gospel tells us that if all the miracles Jesus performed were all written down, that the world would not be able to contain the books that would be written So we're just given a little taste of the miracles of Jesus and the miracles that Matthew includes in these two chapters. They show us Jesus's deity, that he's God and his Messiahship, that he's the Messiah of Israel that was promised in the Old Testament. And and just as a review, if you remember at the beginning of chapter eight, the first miracle that Matthew mentioned back in chapter eight was the cleansing of a leper which was one of the three specific messianic miracles that Jesus performed, if you remember when we talked about that. We also saw in chapters 8 and 9 that Jesus healed every manner of sickness and disease. He calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. He cast out demons. He forgave sins. And then last week in our study was the pinnacle of his miracles. He raised a person back to life. He raised someone from the dead. So through his miracles, Jesus demonstrated that he has authority over sickness and disease. He has authority over nature. He has authority over the demonic realm. He has the, the authority to forgive sins and even authority over death. And so these teachings and miracles that Matthew presents in his gospel give us clear proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be. That he is God incarnate and that he is the Messiah of Israel. There's a wonderful verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 31, that says, listen to this. Many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? People were saying, hey, when the Messiah comes, will he do more than Jesus has done? I mean, do we need any more proof than this? He's doing everything the Messiah is supposed to do. He's got to be the Messiah. Now, the next miracle that Matthew includes in this compilation is the healing of two blind men. Look at verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the Son of David, that's a messianic title. That's a title for the Messiah from the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you're taking notes there in 2 Samuel 7, God promised King David that one of his descendants would sit upon the throne and rule and reign forever. The son of David is a messianic title. Now, why does Matthew include this miracle at this point? He includes this miracle, the healing of two blind men at this point, to say even the blind could see that Jesus is the Messiah. It was that obvious that even the blind could see that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. Now, they only heard about his many miracles. They didn't see them, obviously. And just from hearing about his miracles, they were convinced Jesus is the Messiah. And these two blind men knew that the Messiah would give sight to the blind. How did they know that? From the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 and 5 say, Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense. He will come and save you. Then God comes, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. So the Bible says the Messiah will open the eyes of the blind. And so these two blind men cried out, son of David, have mercy on us. And it says in verse 28, and when Jesus had come into the house, that's probably Peter's house there in Capernaum, where Jesus was living while he was in Capernaum, as he came into the house, the blind men came to him. They just followed Jesus right into the house. They didn't knock, (laughs) you know, they just let themselves in. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And the first thing they saw was the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but I look forward to heaven and seeing the face of Jesus Christ. You know, this person that we have loved and followed and lived for during our time here on earth to finally see him face to face. And to see the nail prints in his hand, to see the scars on his brow from the, the crown of thorns, to see the marks in his body from his death on the cross to save us when he died for our sins. You know, the, the marks in his body from the crucifixion are going to be the only things in heaven that are man-made. The price that he paid for us to redeem us and to save us. And one day we'll see him face to face if you've put your trust in him. And so verse 30 goes on. Their eyes were open and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. I I love this. (laughs) It's hard not to tell people what Jesus has done for you, especially if he has just radically worked in your life and has done great things for you. You know, we're all born blind spiritually. Everyone is spiritually blind. And Jesus, by his mercy, opened our eyes and he gave us spiritual eyes to see. The The Bible says he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it's hard to keep that to yourself when you know that you were blind once spiritually and you've been called out of darkness, you've been called into his marvelous light, You want to tell people what Jesus has done for you. So these guys tell everybody. And so now we come to the next miracle in verse 32, a demon-possessed mute. And the idea here with this person is the demon has made the man mute or unable to speak. And let me just say before we get into it, demonic possession is a real thing. People still experience demonic possession today, even here in the United States. Let me say also, That as Christians who were born again, we cannot be possessed by a demon because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't into sharing space with a demon, right? He doesn't want to share us with the demon. So we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. But we can be oppressed by demons. We can be hassled by demons. We can be deceived by demons. Our thinking can be manipulated. By demons. We can be afflicted by demons, even as Christians. And we see in the scriptures that demonic possession can affect people in different ways. For example, back in chapter 8, the two demon-possessed men in Gadara, the demons made those men violent and uncontrollable, and those men were tormented by the demons. Here, the demon makes this man unable to speak, and Jesus will cast this demon out and the mute man will speak. Now, if you're taking notes, this is the second of the three messianic miracles that Jesus performed. The second of the three messianic miracles. As I've said before, there were three miracles that the rabbis taught only the Messiah will do. Only the Messiah will be able to perform. It's not Bible necessarily. It's not from the Bible that they're getting that, but it's just what they were teaching at the time. And they taught One way the Jewish people will identify their Messiah is he will do these three miracles, and that will be the sign to the people that this is the Messiah. One of those miracles was cleansing a leper, which Jesus did Matthew chapter 8.
1: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Another is the healing of a man born blind, which Jesus did in John chapter 9, and then this miracle, the casting out of a demon from a person who is unable to speak. And when Jesus performed these three miracles, it created a different response from the crowd than when he performed other types of miracles. You know, just your regular everyday miracles kind of thing. Now, casting out demons was not unheard of in the time of Jesus. It was actually pretty common. Religious leaders or rabbis would cast out demons. In fact, some traveled from town to town to cast out demons as kind of traveling exorcists right? Anybody here looking for a side hustle to make some extra money? Maybe consider becoming a traveling exorcist. It would make for an interesting summer, I suppose. If you're a note taker, Acts chapter 19, you see an example of this with the seven sons of Sceva. When the Jewish leaders or the rabbis cast out demons in the time of Jesus, they actually followed a ritual or a formula. They had a process that they went through that was all laid out, and they would go through this ritual to cast out a demon. Typically, they would do it in a group. You know, they'd have several people involved in the casting out of a demon. You wouldn't see someone doing it alone, like we see with Jesus. Uh, They would begin the process by taking a ritual bath before engaging with the demon-possessed person. Uh, When they engaged with the demon-possessed person, they would recite scripted prayers. They would recite psalms and scripture as part of ritual. They would ask questions of the demon in order to understand the demon's motivation in possessing the person. They would ask the demon the demon's name. Remember, Jesus did something like that with the demon possessed man in Gadara saying, what is your name? And the demon answered, A legion, for we are many. And so when the Jewish religious leaders cast out a demon. It was a long process. There was this back and forth communication with the demon. There were even some occasions when the rabbi or the religious leader would get into a physical altercation with the person who's demon possessed. And I I guess, last resort, you can beat the demon out of it. You know, come out of there. Come on, come on, you know, kind of thing. But when you look at Jesus in the Gospels, When Jesus cast out a demon, there was no formula. There was no ritual. There was no struggle. There was no physical altercation. He would cast out a demon with a word. Go. And the demon would obey. And the demon would go. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus cast out a demon from a man. And it says the people were all amazed. And they said, what is this? With authority, he commands the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus just told the demon to go, and the demon would go. They'd never seen anything like this. They'd never seen that kind of authority. For the Jewish rabbis, they could not cast out a demon from a mute person because they had to communicate with the demon as part of their ritual, as part of their, their formula that they followed. It required them to communicate with the demon. Maybe that's why the demons made the people mute and unable to communicate. Just a thought. So in in Jesus' day, the the rabbis, the religious leaders, they didn't even try to cast a demon out of a mute person because they couldn't do it. They couldn't communicate with the demon. And so the religious leaders taught, this is where this all comes together, the Messiah will have the power to cast a demon out of a mute person. We can't help you. I'm sorry, we, we can't help you. We're not able to cast out the demon, but when the Messiah comes, he will be able to cast that demon out and set that person free. And so this became a teaching, and this became one of the three messianic miracles. And this is what happens here in verse 32. It says, as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man who's mute and demon-possessed. Again, the rabbis, the religious leaders can do nothing for this man because he's mute. He's made mute by the demon. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. Look at the response of the crowd saying it was never seen like this in Israel. Now, they've seen demons cast out before, but they've never seen a demon cast out of a mute person before. This has never happened in Israel. Never seen this happen before. And this is something that those religious leaders said the Messiah will do when he comes. This is how you'll know the Messiah is here because he will cast demons out of people that are mute with just a word, with just his authority. I remember earlier I said at this point in the ministry of Jesus, because of the teachings, because of all of the miracles, it is very clear that he is the Messiah, so clear that even blind people can see that he is the Messiah of Israel. It's indisputable at this point. He has checked every box and then some with all of these nonstop miracles, right? I mean, he's even casting demons out of mute people. But look at the response of the Pharisees in verse 34. But the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the ruler of demons. Now, if you're taking notes, this is a very significant point in the ministry of Jesus. This is a turning point. And the ministry of Jesus, because it is at this point right here, at this point, that the religious leaders willfully rejected Jesus as the Messiah and Savior. In spite of all of the clear evidence that points to who he is, everyone else sees it. Everyone else knows who he is. Even blind people can see who he is. This is the point where they reject him. Now, the Pharisees still needed to explain the miracles to the people. They still needed to explain the source of of the supernatural power that Jesus is demonstrating through these miracles. So the religious leaders say Jesus does the miracles by the power of Satan and not the power of God. And this becomes the official response of the religious leaders to Jesus Christ. He's demon-possessed and should be avoided. You know, there's a difference between being blind and closing your eyes. And at this point, the Pharisees close their eyes to the evidence. People still do that today, by the way. They close their eyes to the clear evidence for Jesus Christ. They close their eyes to the truth that has been plainly laid out before them about Jesus Christ. They willfully reject Jesus Christ. And it's not that they need more evidence. It's not that they need a better argument or more convincing or that the message needs to be made clearer to them. They close their eyes to the evidence and they deliberately choose to reject Jesus Christ. And that's what the religious leaders do here. In John chapter three, Jesus said light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's the issue for people who reject Jesus Christ after hearing the gospel, after hearing the truth. They reject the light because they love the darkness. They don't want to change. They don't want to give up control of their life. They don't want to give up their sins. They don't want to bow to his authority. They don't want to surrender themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. They want darkness more than light. And maybe that describes someone here today. You know the truth. You've heard the gospel. But you just don't want to give up control. To Jesus, it's not a lack of information. It's not a lack of evidence. You just don't want to surrender control of your life to him. You're closing your eyes. To the truth. The Pharisees didn't want to acknowledge Jesus as their Messiah and king, even though they know he's the Messiah at this point. Remember Nicodemus? John chapter three, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus was one of the religious leaders. And Nicodemus, do you remember what he said to Jesus? We know that you have come from God because no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus admitted that the religious leaders knew that Jesus had come from God because of all the signs, all the signs that pointed to him being the Christ. The religious leaders knew who Jesus was, just like everyone else, again, even the blind people, could see who Jesus was, but the religious leaders did not want to bow the knee to him for whatever reason. And people have all kinds of foolish reasons as to why they don't want to bow to Jesus Christ. So their official position now becomes that he does all these miracles by the power of Satan. And that's how they explain what's going on. He's demon-possessed. And everyone should reject him because he's demon possessed. Stay away from this guy. He's demon possessed. Listen, give me your attention. These are the religious leaders of Israel. These aren't just anybody. They're the leaders of Israel. And instead of pointing people to Jesus Christ and saying the Messiah is here, he's the one we've been waiting for. He's the one we've been looking for. He's the one we've been hoping in. He's here. He's here. The religious leaders of Judaism, instead, were leading the people astray with their teachings, leading people away from Christ.
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, and he has more to share with you next time. How is what you're hearing from this book landing in your heart? If there's anything that's prompting you to seek out more questions or to ask for prayer in any way, would you be willing to give us a call and talk to us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever you might be wondering or thinking about. Our number is 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from this first book of the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to teach on from Matthew, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue growing. There's so much to appreciate by reading God's Word. We hope you'll tune in next time and be a part of our listening audience right here on Ring of Truth.
3: Signs and I recognize it